What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Release the Eight podcast. And as you notice, we have three today. We have special guest Maureen Matthew in the house. We're excited to start doing this a little bit more. We won't have a guest every time, but we are going to bring guests on so you can hear different voices, hear about different callings, and just hear it from a different perspective. And so just to remind you, I'm Bo Crescetto, um, hosting this podcast every week with Linton Daniel below. And you're going to hear more about Marine in a minute. Sorry, I'm dressed so poorly. Um, I've started working <laughs> out again, so I'm getting swole at the gym. And wow. uh, unfortunately, I had meetings right after that. I couldn't really get dressed. I smell. Um, I'm wearing a hat. So, hey, it's kind of I, I actually kind of smell and look like an ape right now. So um, sorry for that. I'll do better in the coming weeks. My uh, associates here are much more presentable. But um, just to remind you. We have hundreds of articles on our website, releasetheape.com. So you can go look and read a lot about the apostolic, the prophetic evangelistic there. Um, we have obviously our other episodes on YouTube and coming soon to a audible or audio app near you. Yay. And um, hey, we're at 98 subscribers on YouTube. Please subscribe. When we get to a hundred, we can actually do other oh. things with our platform. So we need two more of you to like literally subscribe right now and we're watching you so do it um so with that let's get it to marine uh we wanted to bring marine on she is an incredible leader i'm going to say more about her in a minute but let me just enter in by way of this by saying hey marine tell us a little bit about yourself um give us some of your background what brings you even to today where you're on on this uh podcast with us but we're so happy for you to be here give us a little uh, background about yourself Cool. Well, thanks for having me. One, I'm just like really excited to be on here. And two, I love both you and Linson. So I was like, this is gonna be so fun. Um, but my name is Maureen Matthew. I am the area director of Central Texas with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. I've been on staff with InterVarsity for over 15 years. Um, and actually, when Bo first started um, released the ape, I actually would read some of the articles on the website and was really intrigued by these offices. Um, I grew up in an Indian church, the Marthama church, and there are a lot of stereotypes about different Indian churches and what they're, what they talk about or not talk about. And I was always really intrigued by um, spiritual gifts and by like even these offices. And I think when my mom became a believer or had like a awakening a moment in her journey with Christ, she became way more charismatic and started like like demonstrating in a lot of different ways that I was not used to, or I've heard about. And so it, I it, like reading these articles on release the aid gave me a lot of language and just understanding on these different offices, even when I was younger. And then even now I feel like, um, you know, I'm part of university. I live in Austin, Texas, originally from LA, go to um, an American charismatic, really Holy Spirit like church here now, which is a very different upbringing than the Martha church I grew up in, which I dearly love as well. Um, but I feel like it's giving me more opportunity to learn and to be around people that walk in these gifts. Um, so I'm really excited because part of this is like learning for myself and extroverting out loud what God has been doing in me. Cool. So thank you for being on here with us today. Um, hey, you're our first guest. So that's a big deal for us. Thank you for saying yes. You have no one to, to model after. So you get to actually set the bar here. But hey, Maureen is awesome. She's one of my favorite people in InterVarsity. 
Uh, we're part of the same regional team, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana. Whenever we uh, have regional gatherings for our regional leadership, she's always one of the first people I look to to make sure we bring the fun. You know, sometimes <laughs> ministry people can be so lame. So it's like, hey, are we going to have any fun here at these meetings? Wow. Marine wow. is that person. We had to get rid of Linson because <laughs> he was really bringing the team down um, on that area. I got to go to bed, guys. Um, wow. So anyways, I love being around her personally. She's really fun. She's really smart. Uh, like she said, she oversees the central Texas area of InterVarsity. It's, it's mostly around Austin, but a little bit outside. And she just has a lot of creative ministry. And the main reason um, that we brought her on today is because she really connects with the prophetic office or the prophetic role. And so we wanted to hear from her more about that. You, you heard, if you watched our last podcast, uh, Linton and I waded into that with incredible trepidation. We're like, okay, we are apostolic evangelists. We understand the prophetic role, but we, we're not prophetic uh, in our main calling. And so we're nervous to talk about it. We don't want to do it uh, poor, poorly. And so um, Maureen listened to it. And so we want to hear from you now, Maureen, like, Hey, what did you think about the way we talked about the prophetic office? Like, did we say anything that was good or helpful from you, uh, for you as a prophetic leader? And, and what are some things you, you would maybe add, or you would take further? Let's just talk about that for a few minutes. Um, prophetic leadership, how did Linz and I do last week on that topic? <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I was like, oh my gosh, I saw that. I didn't know you started this podcast. And then I saw that you had the like apostle and um, evangelist. Like, oh my God, I can't wait for when they do the prophet. And then that's when you like shared the link with me. And I was like, I'm listening to this right now. And honestly, super think, fan. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, all I just say, I would say one, you know, I think it's even hard for me to say I'm a prophet because I don't mm. use like offices like that. And to say it, like, I feel like there's a lot of expectations of what that means or mm -hmm. what people think of you or what you have to bring to the table. So I was like, one, excited to hear what you guys had to say, even if you were like, we're not prophets, but like, this is what we would share. And the funny thing is I like took notes because I was like, oh my God, I need to write this down. Um, Cause I resonated with so much of what you guys said. I mean, even you opening Bo with like what a prophet isn't, um, around the mystical or the charismatic or like the miracles or the upfront communicator, the angry person. I mean, those were a lot of what I thought a prophet was. Um, and no one was like teaching me, like, this is what a prophet is. And so from wherever, the, you know, whether it's media, churches, whatever I was following, like those were the things I initially associated a prophet with. But I think in my journey of the Lord showing me how he's um, wired me as a prophet, um, like even like Linson's kind of definition around like just being a mouthpiece, like a prophet, just someone who says what they hear from God and really simplifies, I think from all the things a prophet can be, cause I know it includes a lot of those things that mm -hmm. you named. Like I was like, yes, like that is what I feel a sense of like how the Lord is using me as a prophet. And mm -hmm. especially when like, um, I thought you, with a great question you asked is like, what's a different uh, the difference between a person that just hears from the Lord as followers of Jesus and obeys and a prophet. And I think when you said, um, Linson, that oftentimes they, they don't like what, like what they have to say, but also have an over like bearing mm -hmm. burden to mm -hmm. share. I would say 
a lot of the times when I shared in larger group settings and felt burdened by the Holy Spirit, I one did not want to say what I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me to say. And two, it was like, I, I couldn't not say it. Like I mm. knew I did not say it. It was going to come out in some form or mm. shape. Mm. And I would say every time it has been done in a larger group setting, it has always been received or the end product has been leading people to repentance, mm -hmm. reconciliation, or some type of healing, whether mm. physical, spiritual, like, you know, some type of healing. And so I think um, like it was such a good word on like, secular prophets versus biblical prophets. Um, I feel like there is a lot of clarifying for me and continued clarifying of what it means to really be a healthy prophet um, from a biblical standpoint. Awesome. Yeah. Let me, did you want to ask some or do you want me to follow up, Linson? No, no, no. Keep going. Yeah. Thank um, you for sharing that, Mo. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. So let me ask this. Some of you said was interesting, which makes perfect sense. Like, I'm not, you know, sure how comfortable I am being called a prophet or, or, you know, all those things that it's not were helpful. And for sure, I'm just thinking about some of my friends that if they ever watch this podcast, like people even in my neighborhood, and they're like, here we are with prophet Marine. They'd be like, who is this guy that I like hang out with on Friday nights? Like, this is weird. Um, so tell us a little bit, maybe let's back up. Like, why do you connect with the prophetic role? How do you know, like, Think about maybe some young people that are watching this that are like, maybe I'm prophetic, but that's weird. Or maybe right. some older people that are watching it that have never had the language around this role that are like, oh my gosh, that's me. Like, why do you connect with the prophetic, even if it is strange or it, it can come across weird at times or it can be unclear? Like, what tell us some stories from your life or some lessons along the way that even as you've heard us speaking and make you go, Oh yeah, I think that's the one I connect with the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's been a journey of learning um, and even identifying like, Oh, like a lot of the things that I'm learning or using are like connected to the prophets. Mm -hmm. And so even like saying I'm a prophet, like, cause one that was like, we never use that language in like the Indian church I grew up with. So that just feels really different, but I've been around so many different people from different denominations and they're like, Oh, prophetess da, 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 or prophet. And I'm like, that's cool for them. But like, <laughs> that's weird. Like even like using that language for myself. But I also like, I believe in these offices and I've seen God work through them. And I think one of the first times that I think I like started really believing I was a prophet without even maybe seeing things yet was, I don't even have detail around this. So it's like really vague, but many years ago at one of our Asian American staff conferences, um, Tracy G, I mean, I think the theme for our Asian American conference was around the prophetic and being a mm -hmm. prophet, but Tracy G actually gave a talk on it. And she kind of gave an exhortation slash like, I want to say command, but like almost telling us as Asian American staff, like that we are going to be prophets in this season and like something around the, like being a prophet. And I really like, I was like, I'm a prophet. I'm a prophet. And like, I don't even know, like, honestly, I had no idea back then what that even meant, but I feel like there's already this belief, like mm -hmm. I'm a prophet. But I would say now, just like at least like seven to 10 years since that conference, why I would now call myself a prophet is because of 
very, a pattern, like multiple times of seeing the Lord use me and seeing how God has transformed people because mm -hmm. of just like all my only role was to say what the Lord told me. And mm -hmm. so one story that we'll share and not like too much of the details, but I think was probably really significant for me that happened almost seven years ago was I was on my sabbatical and I went to another region for an university conference. And I was kind of had a bad attitude because I was like, I'm on sabbatical. Why do I have to be here? <laughs> but as I was there, I started feeling an overwhelming sense of sadness and sorrow. And I didn't know what to do with it. And as the divisional director kept speaking, because it was a group of like 50, 60 um, staff mm -hmm. in this region, the word repentance kept coming up. And for some mm -hmm. reason, I'm not even listening to the rest of what they're talking about because I'm kind of like not wanting to be there on sabbatical, but this word repentance keeps coming up. And I'm like, why is this word like really sticking out to me? I, I don't really like talk about repentance a lot. I don't like maybe back then practice repentance as much, <laughs> um, but repentance is not like a, a theme of mine or anything. So I just was like, this is really weird. But at one point I felt like the Holy Spirit told me again, I'm a guest, a visitor to this event. Most people don't even know who I am. And I felt the Holy Spirit said, you need to get up and tell this room that they need to repent. Dang. Whoa. And I go, like, I, like, I knew I heard from the Lord. So I was like, not doubting that. But I was like, I turned over to my host next to me. And I was like, well, I'll tell her. So-and-so, I feel like the Holy Spirit told me the room needs to repent. And I was like, I'm doing my due diligence. I told someone. And she just looked at me kind of ice stunned, like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And literally I'm sitting there and this is the overwhelming sense. Like if I don't say something right now, it is just going to come out. So I mm -hmm. raised my hand in a room of like 60 people. The division director doesn't even know who I am. Like I'm like literally interrupting his like talk or whatever. He like looks at me and like, go ahead. I stand up and in a very like authoritative tone, which is like, again, doesn't feel like this is me. I tell the room that they need to repent right now, that they need to get on their knees and they need to repent. And within half a second, probably less, the whole room pin drop silence on the floor on their knees. Whoa. And then it's like, the story doesn't even end. I feel like the Holy Spirit tells me they need to repent out loud. They need to wow. repent out loud. So I'm, all, I'm crying at this point because I don't know what's happening. I'm feeling like overwhelming some of the Holy Spirit. And I just pray out loud directions for them huh. to confess out loud that this is a safe space, that they need to do whatever they need to do to the Lord. 45 minutes later of them repenting of whatever they need to repent of, I think the Holy Spirit was like, go tell the worship leader to sing a song and tell the original director to pray and your time is done. Wow. And honestly... I was floored. I had no idea what was happening. I don't know why I had to do all that. I did it, but I got to see the Lord do something miraculous in that region, which I still don't know the whole story to this day because I didn't feel like I needed to know. I felt mm. the Lord said, you share what you need to share and you leave. And all I heard, like a few times that people came up to me during the break, like, I don't know who you are, but like, we needed that. We need an outsider to tell us that. And I still don't know like the history, but like that was a pretty significant moment in my marker mm -hmm. of like being a prophet and seeing how the Lord used that and like transformed and did some like really deep work of like mm -hmm. 
healing in that region. Man, that's an amazing story, Maureen. I, I feel like um, a lot of the 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 things that we had talked about in our previous podcast, like you embodied that because, um, I, you know, one thing I, I experienced while you were telling that story was a sense of like weight and sorrow for the people. Like you, you, you really feel like, God, I really hope they respond, you know, like I, I'm not like angry or mad at anybody or I'm not, you know, I just really hope they come back to you. And, you know, there's a sense of righteousness in that. The The other thing of your story that, that, that stuck out to me is you were kind of obscure to them. Like they don't, like you're totally unknown quantity. And oftentimes that's prophets too. They're really unknown, you know, and we live in a season now where prophets want the limelight or prophets are building maybe even a, a platforms on their prophetic gift. But there's something about being like marginal, unknown stepping forth and like even risking something it wasn't even from a sense of power like you don't you know you didn't hold the highest uh rank or title in the room you know so that story to me is like to me it it's it, it did just embody so much of what we talked about you know and and so here's the thing that 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 strikes me about you Maureen is you know Bo and I we know you you're really warm you're just fun loving, you're, you know, you're a lively, you know, happy person, you know, um, and much like myself, I, I feel like we, we like to be in a room, we like to light the room up, but we don't like to be that person, right? And, and so, you know, the other stigma that we get around prophets is that they're, they're kind of cranky, <laughs> they're angry, they're uh, like, the, you know, people don't know them or like them or be around them, but you're not that way. And that's the way that you are different from what we talked about in our podcast, because you're, you're a winsome person. You, you have a lot of woo. And in fact, I think that's in your strength finders, right? You're, you have woo. So to be a prophet and have woo is, is probably a, a really fantastic gift set because oftentimes that's not what a prophet, you know, has, you know? And so that, those are some of my initial reactions to your story. I'm both like really excited and I feel that you you embodied a lot of things we talked about, but you're also really different than like what someone thinks a prophet prophet should be. I don't know, old, out of touch, cranky, you know, and angry. And you're none of those things. So that's what I was just thinking. You know, I don't know. What what do you guys think about that? Oh, are you, I can't hear you. You're muted, Bo. I think, or your cool mic's not working. <laughs> yes, Still not working. Hard. I, oh, now. I, I just dang okay. it, it is working. Perfect. God, I was gonna say something funny, but go ahead. I'm not a prophet. The Lord muted. <laughs> I know. I was just a... Um, I was thinking about Brian Sanders, who we need to get on here sometime. So Brian, which you're probably not watching this and never will. Um, I hope you come on. But he lead well was leading the underground movement in Tampa, and I remember talking to him before. And I told him I had woo in my top five. And he's like, dang, man. He's like, you're so lucky. He's like, I got poo. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like pissing others off. And I always <laughs> think about that because when you think about profits, generally mm. speaking, not, not totally across the board, they tend to, to piss others off, have poo, yeah, where evangelists that. tend to have woo and they're winning others over. And so, yeah, as I'm hearing your story, um, 
you know, your story isn't exactly one that's like going to make people mad. Maybe calling some people to repentance in that moment is uncomfortable or like, who's this lady? Why is she doing this? This is annoying. I think of uh, prophetic people bring annoying messages a lot. So just even if you're listening to this and you haven't heard our previous podcast or read our blog, we really talk about the prophetic from the burden of uh, realigning people to God's holiness or justice to his heart. And we, we talked about in our last podcast, they're the mouthpiece to speak the truth of God so that people can correct and, and repent and come back. And so the prophetic is obviously the pe- oftentimes the people that are calling us back to the heart of God are calling us back onto the path, back into alignment. So those people can be agitators. Um, I don't know. Like, do you have any other stories of like where you had to bring some agitation or Maybe, maybe you don't need to tell a story about it. Uh, you can, if you want, but what's it been like, I guess, leaning into that prophetic role and how have you dealt with not wanting to upset people or come across mm-hmm. the wrong way or like for any young prophets that are listening to this, that maybe are more emotionally immature or spiritually mature, like how do you steward that role mm-hmm. so that you aren't just the jerk that's put on the sideline? Or have you navigated that? I mean, even, yeah, before you answer that question, I mean, I do feel like even with the anger piece, I think even to name like as a South Asian woman and South Asian culture, like anger, I mean, I think this is most cultures in general, mm-hmm. but like, we're not really taught how to deal with anger or to like suppress it. So I would say I still deal with a lot of anger, but it's all mm-hmm. internally. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's been a lot of navigating, how do I deal with all the anger I'm feeling internally? It may like, I may seem and look fine or even cheery, but like, Mm. I feel like it's been a lesson of learning how do I deal with the internal anger I'm carrying? Because I do not deal with that well, whatever message that does come out of my mouth will also come out maybe in an unhealthy way. Oh man, that's so Um, good. Wow. Yeah. So I think like a lot of that navigating has been in my own prayer life with the Lord mm-hmm. of just like whining, angry, like I'm so mad at this, even if it's not fair or like, I feel entitled to like these things that I like, you know, whatever I'm like wrestling with the Lord. I think a lot of that work has happened behind the scenes um, as someone who deals with anger more internally than externally. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's been something that I also think is very different from people that might be more direct and willing to just show their anger. Cause like, Mm. I think the one time I remember showing anger in the Sentex team, like someone was like, Oh my God, I've never seen you angry. And it was just like telling them like, we need to be on time. I hate that we're not on time. (laughs) Um, And it was like, I just couldn't take it anymore one year, you know? And I was like, wow, that they think that was the one time I was angry. (laughs) Cause in my head, I was like, I feel I'm angry a lot. (laughs) But I think it's like, people just don't know because I don't express it verbally. So Mm -hmm. that has been an area of growth for me is how do I process like internally healthy, my anger. And as a prophet, how Mm -hmm. does that um, not affect the message or what I share, um, because I'm dealing with in a healthy way internally. Cause if I'm not dealing it with the internally, I don't know what would happen. I feel like one, I probably wouldn't say anything, um, Mm. or it would probably come in a really unhealthy way. And that hasn't happened. I would say most of the stories I've had 
um, or experience I've had is it is a lot of listening to the Holy Spirit. Because I remember mm-hmm. even an argument with someone, I waited for them after a message. I wanted to say something to them about something that was inappropriate um, from a racial standpoint. And he got really upset with me. He was a pastor and he was yelling at me. And I was like, no, what you said was like, not okay. And he was like justifying it. And I was like kind of arguing back because I was like really angry in that season, um, especially towards white men. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, just listen, like stop talking. Mm. And for 15 to 20 minutes, he just kept talking, 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 talking. And then he came to the end. He apologized and said I was right. And then exhorted me to continue doing what I was doing. Wow. And I was like, oh my gosh, Lord, like, thank God I listened to you and just like shut up in that moment because wow. at that point, I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, you just need to be quiet. Like, let him just talk. Mm, man, I love that. There's something about um, a, uh, the prophetic voice that, you know, like they say that the word of God is a two-edged sword. So there's something about that. It, it does pierce into the listeners, but it does pierce the heart of the prophet. And there's something about, I love what you said, Mo, there's just something about you working it out in your own prayer life that makes you a more and more clearer prophet. Because if there's damage or hurt or things that, you know, oh, man, I mean, you, you, you really convicted me. Like, I feel like I have that same thing that goes on in my own heart. Like uh, people think I'm a, I'm a happy person too, but I, if there was a prevailing emotion underneath everything, it would be anger, right? You know, like that moment in the Avengers where, you know, they tell the Hulk, you know, you know, you got to get angry. He's like, no, I'm always angry, you know, and then he turns into the Hulk. Uh, so like there, there's just, there's something about that. If we don't put that in check, the, the prophetic voice, I think, um, maybe get diluted or, um, or turns makes a hard left turn or something because of the stuff we haven't processed in front of the Lord. So there's something about hearing what the Lord is saying and then checking yourself, you know, hearing the word repentance. Yes, Lord, I, I, I do repent, you know, and the Lord's like, yeah, thank you. You know, that is something that you need to wrestle with, but now it needs to go forth and, and to be the most clear mouthpiece we can be. How can we get right with the Lord emotionally healthy um, that was a really good word. And I, I think that's probably what a lot of young prophets need to hear, you know, and that's probably how you find a way to navigate being both like having uh, the ability to win over others, but then also carrying a prophetic burden. you got to do a lot of that internal work uh, so that it comes out clear. Um, and then, you know, at the same time, at the end of all of it, still finding ways to keep that relationship whole keep you know you know keeping reconciliation there because of your your ability to win win over others as well so i think that's that's you're really unique i think maybe there's a lot of people like you that are like finally like, oh my goodness that she's prophetic and that's me too like the way she's describing it that's me and mm-hmm. and that's helpful because you know in, in in society right now we don't always have those examples you know um but another thing i know about you mo is that you're also have a growing evangelistic gift too. So like I, you and Bo, like Mo and Bo. So like, they both are like great. I mean, like you, you're not afraid to just randomly talk about the gospel in everyday life. You know, you'll be doing something you'll, and you also, both of you attract non-Christians. So they, they just end up orbiting your world and, and you end up being their friend and things happen. So you, that's really good. That's really interesting. So you have both a prophetic and evangelistic leaning. So we were talking about having a gift set mix. What's that been like for you? And have you explored even the, the evangelistic office? Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, even with the word evangelist, you know, I'm like, 
I'm not an evangelist. And honestly, like I mainly like the reason I owned that earlier on maybe was because of you, Lindsay. And because I feel like being under your leadership, you would always call me an evangelist or tell other people she's an evangelist. And I would be like, where is he getting that from? Like, I don't understand. Is he, how is he seeing that? But then like, I would be like, oh my God, like I take Pilates right now. And like, like literally the three other South Asian women that are there, I'm like having lunch with them this weekend. And like, I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're not Christian. And I'm like, oh my God, what an a great opportunity to be a witness like I feel like opportunity like that happen all the time so I'm like maybe there is like an advantage like I should probably own that oh totally like to get Linton and Pilates no I don't I don't think that's gonna help anyone you know (laughs) but I will say I might turn some people to the Lord I don't know or or away from the Lord who knows but uh, uh there is something about the idea that uh like someone who has the evangelistic gifts you, you think you're like, why are you always around non-Christians? And you might say, I don't mean to do that, but the Lord allows it to happen by his, like his sovereignty, his will. He, he gets you around them. And, and then you're activated by the Holy spirit, animated by the Holy spirit to engage those people. And so even though we are all called to share the gospel, all of us as believers, uh, there's something about the way the Lord sets you guys up as evangelists and burdens you. You know, like I might be around a non-Christian and I don't feel the same burden or, or, or even know how to step into the moment, but you guys do. But what, what does it mean? I don't know, Bo, I mean, we can, we can riff off here. What does it mean to have a prophetic gift that usually uh, angers people or annoys people? And it's usually pointed, typically it's pointed to a believer. It's like you're trying to get them back on track. You know, you might talk to society at large too. But typically, you're talking to the believers in society to start doing things the right way, their prophetic voice. But then the evangelist was looking outside and saying, you guys um, are not right with the Lord, but I'm going to bring you into the loving grace of the Lord Jesus. The Spirit is going to do that. And it's a gracious, winsome posture. So they're both kind of almost pointed in different directions. I'm curious, have you thought about that, Bo? And I love to hear anecdotally from Mo, how does that feel to have both of those gifts? You want me to go first? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I have thought about it a little bit. I don't I don't have it. It is I mean, there's times I'm prophetic for sure and I need to be, but that's not my main calling. As we've said, I'm I'm an apostolic evangelist. So, yeah, if the if the evangelistic burden is to win people outside of Christ into Christ, right? To like help them know Jesus, right? people that are just being evangelistic, they might be around non-Christians. They might Mm -hmm. have a lot of friends. They might do it, but there's not a burden. The evangelist has a unique burden for the lost and to train just like the prophet has a unique burden for holiness. It's not that the everyday Christian doesn't care about things being right, Mm -hmm. but the, the prophets burdened by it. Like they're filled with the anger. They're filled with the sorrow. They're in prayer. The evangelist is the same way with, with non-believers is like, they are like, this is bothering me that my neighbors don't know Jesus. This bothers me. We don't have more people in our church that aren't Christian. It's bothering me. This ministry is so full of Christians and we're not reaching the church. The, the regular believer does not think that way. That's an evangelist. So those gift mix come together. And yes, at some points they actually might work together. Like I'm being prophetic and evangelistic in the same moment, but I think they're also just, um, 
different energies. And so if Marine, and you can talk about yourself here in just a minute, if you, if you feel like you have the burden of an evangelist, that would just be a unique emotional and spiritual calling because a prophetic evangelist by office would be someone that is super burdened for correction of the church and um, holiness and being right with God. And, and like you said, Linton really well, like it's an internal intensity but then there's this incredible burden. If, if you do have that office of like, we have to get out there and win those people and they don't need holiness challenges. They don't need correction <laughs> yeah. challenges. They need winsome invitation. So that's like very Jekyll and Hyde in the energy or, um, in the strength finders world, um, which we're big into my, my wife's a certified coach she talks about combinations sometimes that are very rare together. So like I have one of those combinations, I have command and woo usually commanding people don't have woo because command command is more off putting at times. And mm -hmm. woo is very winsome, obviously winning others over. So that's a weird set or like an activator and strategic. It's like activators are just getting things going. They're not trying to be strategic. They're just being catalysts. Strategic people are more thoughtful at times. So if someone has activator and strategic, that's very weird. Prophetic and evangelist feels weird to me like that. Like it's not impossible, mm -hmm. but it's like, whoa, how do you do that? Like, how does that person exist at the same time? Because it feels like the prophet would totally need the evangelist and vice versa and not be the same person. So those are my thoughts on it. Um, I don't know, Marine, like, do you yeah. <laughs> feel like you have the calling or burden of an evangelist mm. or do you just feel like you are doing evangelism as a believer and as a ministry leader, or like, how do you notice those burdens inside of yourself or not? It's good. Yeah. That's a great question. Cause I'm also like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I do feel like I have a burden for it. I feel like the mm. urgency is really high. Like I like. I don't know. Like I could start crying right now. Just even talking about it. I think the urgency to see the lost know Jesus is like really important. And I think for me, a lot of ways that activated is also through prayer. Like this is where like, I sometimes I'm like, anyways, it's like a lot of this is through prayer that gets activated for me. And I think like, I don't know, like even as I'm hearing you share about these odd pairings, which I agree, but at the exact same time, I'm like, I don't think it's that weird. <laughs> like, I think like, so the unique, the timing of this is really funny because I just, you know, was announced in our region as the evangelist champion. And even that is like, really like, <laughs> ah, I wanted to tell Josh, can I just be it without you announcing it? <laughs> um, and there's something about just like saying it and like owning it. But I think like, to me, how I see the prophetic evangelist really partner together is I just think about like, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, if this is not like correct, but like, I think a big part of the prophet, as we've been talking about, is someone who hears from the Lord and shares what the Lord says. Hey, and I yeah. think in evangelism, the best way to win people's hearts over is, of course, you share the gospel, but you have to listen to how the Holy Spirit wants to work in That's that good. person's life. What questions do you ask? How do you meet them where they're at? And I think like, even in this cohort, I'm about to lead um, with some staff. I think the like passage that really like screams out to me is from Acts of like Philip and the um, Ethiopian eunuch mm -hmm. and how Philip like hears the spirit and like follows him and then like 
opens up the scriptures and then helps him understand the scriptures and then shares the gospel. And then the guy's like, Oh my God, I want to get baptized. And like, you know, mm. if you know the story, then you know, like where this goes. Um, but I think to me, like to me, almost like, I don't know if that's necessarily like the prophetic office at play mm-hmm. there, but to me, part of the prophetic office is hearing from the Lord and like following. And mm-hmm. I wonder how much of that we could use in evangelism. Um, like in ways that could like create more momentum or reach places that we wouldn't go otherwise um, in evangelism. And all this is still really new to me. Like even the term prophetic evangelist, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I would be named that because I'm like, what does that mean? I don't even know what that means. I'm learning as I go. Um, But I do feel like, I don't know, I'm kind of, my gut response is like, is it that weird? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, can it be used in a way? Because I do think the prophet like it at its simplest like definition is someone who hears from the Lord and responds. Yes, and I yeah. know some of the sh- stories I share are like bigger stories of like repentance and reconciliation, but like those are like to the extreme points of like, I feel like how the Lord uses people maybe as a prophet. So I wonder, I don't know, this is where I'm kind of extroverting out loud right now. Like I do wonder like what are ways that a prophetic evangelist operates that mm-hmm. is unique than an evangelist or just a prophet. And I feel like I'm still figuring that, like I'm le- mm-hmm. on that journey of learning right now. You yeah, I want to jump I, in yeah, on that, Linton. Yeah, I've got some ideas You went, while you were talking. There's something about the prophet's love for people to come closer back to God. You know, like like come back to God, even though you know who he is, you've wa- you kind of wavered. And there's something like that. There's just like, I want you to come back to the father, you know? And then there's something about the evangelist who sees the wayward person is like, that doesn't know God. You want to reveal and bring him or her back to the, like to the father for the first time, you know? So there's something about someone who has both of those roles that probably puts them very close to the heart of the father. And through the time of prayer, like you're hearing the father's heart for those that have just like, you know, when Isaiah is prophesying, he's like to Israel or to the people of God themselves, he's brought his heart's broken. Like you guys are going way off, but then he'll say things to the nations. Like, you know, like in some of his words to the nations are not corrected, but there are promises. Like there will be a time where you will all get to feast together at the nations, you know, as nations at the table of God. Like, so there's a winsomeness that's going out to the un to the those that don't know God. But what it what it is is the central place is back to the Father, you know? And there's something probably in your own life, Maureen, you could probably think about like that's what's happening to you. Like you just keep feeling the heart of the Father. So if it's someone who knows God or doesn't, it's you're listening to the heart of the Father to bring them. And it's like the 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 parable of the prodigal son, you know, one left and is lost and one is at home and is lost and the prophet tells the one at home oh this ain't right you know you need to you need to come back so even jesus himself you know in one chapter will go after zacchaeus in his evangelistic form and then go to the pharisees in his prophet form and be like you know and so very i like what you're saying i like how you're really helping us think about that mo it's maybe not that weird and it's not that it's not that polarizing you can be that, but it, it, it situates you very, very close to God. You know, you're just like, you really feel God's heart for people, no matter if they know him or not. And I think that's, that's really neat. I haven't really thought about that. And, and there's something about cultivating more and more 
prophetic evangelist, that I feel like that's probably one of the real strong gifts we need right now. Like to go to someone and say, hey, I know the pandemic is crazy. I know this racial strife is really hard. But for some of you, you need to, you need to come back to righteousness. And for some of you else, there's hope in, even in this mess, right? So some of you are the, the perpetrators of this crime and you need to come back to the Lord. Some of you have been hurt by this crime and of, of, of what it might be and you're bringing them back. You know what I mean? So there's something about that role that's just so, I think, like right now in an anxious society, like the prophetic word to come back to God or the first word ever to do you know that God can help you right now is seems like really strong. I don't know. I'm, I'm riffing it right now, but I think there's something about that. That right. What do you think? What do you guys think about that? Um, so a couple, couple thoughts. Um, I like locating the combination of prophetic and evangel- evangelistic in hearing from God. I do think there's something about the prophetic office that is more mystical um, mm-hmm. than the other offices. I also think, um, and we need to do an episode on this. I think I wrote an article on it, but we need to do an episode on it. The spiritual gifts are overlaid on the five offices, in my opinion. So we need to be careful. We're not confusing spiritual gifts with the five Mm. callings, meaning every evangelist or an evangelist might have a word of knowledge as a spiritual gift. That's not being prophetic. That's actually a word of knowledge, or they might have a prophetic word. Um, Same with an, an apostolic, same with a teacher. So just to say that, like, I'm hearing you say that and part of me is thinking, oh, well, is that actually a spiritual gift you have inside of your Mm -hmm. callings is prophetic Mm -hmm. words or is words of knowledge or is discernment? Maybe. However, I do think there's something really important about if you are a prophetically called person and you're doing evangelism or you are an evangelist, you're going to bring a listening to the Holy Spirit a, what is the word of God, um, in this moment that's speaking poignantly where maybe someone else that isn't as uh, prophetically inclined is, is going to lead more with the scriptures or, or words or, um, teaching, um, apostolic evangelists are going to get lots of things started, but win people to Christ in those moments and in those new expressions. Mm-hmm. So as I'm hearing you say that, I'm just like, yeah, I think a prophetic evangelistic combination is that yeah. more mystical? Let's listen. Maybe you're even meeting people and you're like, Hey, let's listen to God right now and see what he says. And mm-hmm. you're like, Whoa, you would do that in evangelism. That's kind of weird. And you're like, no, it's not. That's how I do evangelism. Um, <laughs> that's a prophetic person. That's like that's good. Let's hear. So th- those are some of my thoughts as I'm hearing you talk. Mm. Which is interesting because I have done that. And I am <laughs> like, Oh my God, I wouldn't think about that because I do that with friends all the time Mm. i'm just like hey let's just listen let's just take a moment to listen so i think it's like i just i think you (laughs) naming it like even having this conversation right now is also helpful for me because i think i just operate in like the ways that god Mm. has wired me and i'm like i like i haven't named it myself so even this conversation is helping name some things of like like now i'm going to be thinking a lot more like even in this evangelism role or you know just Mm -hmm. in general like, how am I also being like a prophet in the midst of it? How am I using these? Um, like, and that's uh, true. Like, I think I even sometimes like even my language right now can be like spiritual gifts 
offices, calling. It's like, they're all different. They're like, they're not the mm-hmm. same. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even for me to think more deeply about that and like, what, like, if this is my calling, like how are my gifts being operated within these offices? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I think as you become the evangelism champion, it's important to think about how are different expressions of evangelism needed. So we don't accidentally pigeonhole it into one way or yeah. prefer one way. Cause what you're talking about is super powerful. And for those that lean more of the prophetic evangelist style, they need to be empowered and trained and shown how to, to step into that and grow into that um, combination. There's mm-hmm. others, which I lean more this way or like, I want to um, argue with you or convince you. So <laughs> not, mm-hmm. not even arguing in a tension filled way, but like, no, I want to like convince you why this is true. Like yeah. your arguments are, your arguments are bad. You're not making sense. Like, let's talk this out. Yeah. And that's more my, that's just a pure evangelism style. Like, let's Definitely. talk about this. Um, how do we do that? Well, where's apologetics? How does that happen? And so it would just be int- what this conversation is doing for me too, is like, if we're called to evangelism, mm-hmm. which in our movement, it's the core of our movement, we're a campus ministry. Okay. What are the different expressions of evangelism that might be showing up? Or if people have different gift sets or callings, how might they express themselves? That would be really powerful to look at and empower people into. And I'm wondering if some people, because it is such a prophetic moment right now in our culture and country, some people are balking out of vandalism because their view of it is maybe this more apologetic or um, articulation side. And they need a vision of evangelism. That's like, no, let's listen to God. Let's actually speak into the cultural moments Let's win people to Jesus through that, through listening, through prayer, through service, through contending. And it's like, oh, wait, that can be evangelistic. Yeah, it can be evangelistic because if people are lost from God and they're stuck in those issues and they need to see a winsome, hopeful person in it, that's great evangelism. Definitely. And I think that's why I'm actually excited to be the evangelism champion, to do it in a different way. Because Mm -hmm. I think like if someone had led that way in the style that you're gifted in, I don't know if I would have felt like this is how I'm wired to do evangelism. I could learn it. I could practice it. And I hope people are open to learning all the different styles of doing evangelism. But I think now I have the opportunity to at first I was like, oh, no, like, should I have said yes? Like, how are people going to respond? You know, all the normal things. But I'm realizing, oh, no, like this is a gift because I'm going to have a unique group of people that are going to be attracted to the ways that I am like gifted in evangelism. And they probably are, too. And the people that so far have said yes are people that like probably wouldn't Mm -hmm. have gone to something maybe if you had invited them. And not because of you, but because of different styles that we bring and the gifts that we have in evangelism. And so for Mm -hmm. me, I'm like, I'm glad this will open up more people to be able to express the different ways that God has wired us to still be faithful and be evangelists in the gifts that he's given us, Mm -hmm. Um, which I sometimes don't know if people feel that type of openness or um, even permission to do things differently. Um, but as an Asian American, like I would say personally, like, I'm like, it, it, even now as like 15 years on staff, a director, like you would think like, dude, just like do whatever you want. Like if you're doing evangelism, do it any way you want. I still almost am like, is this evangelism? Is this model going to be okay? And I feel like the Lord's like, yes. And thankfully Josh is also like so much freedom. Just do it any way that you feel gifted in. And that's like so helpful for me. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, one, one thing I might add to this conversation, the reason why I feel like a prophetic evangelistic calling is critical for the moment we're in is the prophet in their evangelism. Like oftentimes someone who doesn't want to be in the kingdom of God, they are looking at the institution called the church and seeing all of its flaws and its errors. Right. But when a prophet is actually right there saying, calling the church, you know, back to what it's like turning everything back the right way. You know, even the skeptic is listening to the prophet saying like, well, that's what I'm trying to tell the church to do too. But I'm not a Christian, but you're a Christian, you know? And then you're like, yes, I mean, you're right. You know, I, there are things that we as a church, uh, as an institution are doing wrong. So you're calling out to call them to holiness is actually matching the voice of the skeptic who is looking at, the, at the church from the world. And, and there's something about you turning to them if you're an evangelist. So you're a prophet and you're, you're saying the same thing, but then you're now using that as a way. Well, you know, do you know who God really is? You know, the reason why I'm able to say this to the church is because they are missing who God really is. And if you think, do you think that's what God is, you know, and then you have a moment that you stepped in like, this racial injustice or this pandemic or this anxiety that I'm trying to get the church to see and the, the skeptic is, is right there with you. Now you can explain who God is, who really is in that moment. I think now that I think about it, that feels really urgent, you know, for someone to step in to do that interpretive work for the skeptic, you know, to help them see a prophet speaking and winning them into the kingdom. It's a, it's a tricky balance, but there's something about that that feels super honest, like in our community right now to be like, I love the church and I love God and I want you to be a part of it. But at the same time, I can bring, I can say something really difficult and sorrowful and hard to the church. Cause I also still love the church. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? You guys feeling me yeah, on that? How- yeah, I think it's two different roles, though. I mean, that's that's where we're getting at the combination of callings. Like, if someone does have a prophetic and evangelistic calling, um, they're able to both critique the church. So the way I was hearing it was like culture's critique might match the prophet's conviction, yeah. right? So while the prophet is calling the church back out of conviction. And the skeptic is like, well, that's my same critique. The evangelistic prophet can step into that moment and then win that person into the church. A lot of prophets can't though. They have poo. Yeah. Right. That's what we're talking about. Like they're, they're going to see that skeptic and go, yeah, that the church is a bunch of idiots, blah, 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 blah. Have a good day. And it's like, that's why they need the evangelist to be like, no, like, let me make this a gospel moment. Let me make this a conversion moment. Yeah. Um, wow. In the same way that a peer evangelist is just trying to win people, but they're not necessarily connecting with the prophetic realities of their problems or their critiques. Oh, yeah. Profit to go, wow. man, let's speak into this. Let's be visible. Like, let's have a church use the word real or authentic that's like pointing out these issues that a lot of skeptics might appreciate and value that just means that they're they're aligning or they're agreeing but they haven't been won over yet that's an evangelistic uh move mm-hmm. that needs to happen mm-hmm. next but i, I love sure, that sure. um sure yeah marine 
Do you want the final word? Like we always say, we could talk about this for hours. We can talk about it. Our listeners don't have the attention span for it. Prove us wrong. (laughs) Get our views up. And then we'll see if that's real or or not. Uh, But, you know, you guys haven't been watching as much lately. So take that challenge. Um, Maureen, final word. Anything we're saying, responding Mm -hmm. to me there. Final thoughts uh, on prophetic leadership, evangelistic leadership to the ape community? I mean, I think just my encouragement is to continue growing in the journey. And like, mm-hmm. whether you name yourself it or not, like myself, I think is continue to learn. And like, this is an opportunity for me. Like part of why I was excited is because I knew like, this is going to be an opportunity for me to learn also in the midst of like hearing from you guys, like hearing you guys talk about it. I'm like, oh, this gives me a lot more to think about. But for those that are younger or like newer in their gifts and the journey, I'm just like, whether it's resources here on Abe or finding other people that are gifted in it is like, seek out those opportunities to have these Mm -hmm. conversations and learn. Because Mm -hmm. I think, like you said, whether you're a prophetic evangelist or whatever combination of these offices, I think the church needs us more than ever um, Mm -hmm. to work in unity with one another. And I think if like, I don't even know fully what that means. Like I probably won't fully activate, won't be fully activated because I need to learn. Like even hearing some of the things you guys just share, I'm like, oh, I'm going to think about that more. And how am I like living into that or not living into that? So I think just like, all I have to say, encouraging others to continue learning in this journey and finding mentors or people that are walking in these gifts to learn from. Cool. So if people want to reach out to you more, how can they connect with you? on social media yeah, definitely you can find me on instagram at marine m83 um or marine m83 yes okay at marine m83 yep okay awesome is that the best way it's probably the best way i mean facebook maureen matthew but okay. ig is probably the best okay well we just want to say you are a champion thank you. uh thank you for joining us Um, you're awesome. And thank you for inspiring people, helping us think deeper. And so, yeah, for any of you listening to this, uh, just a reminder, please subscribe, um, like this video. It helps other people see it. Uh, we will be bringing this to an audio platform soon, whether it's Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen. And then again, there's lots of articles on releaseape.com that you can go, um, read about, and get further inspired or educated. If you have topics you want us to address, um, just message us. Um, you can do that on our comment section here on YouTube or on the blog, or you can hit me at bow at releaseape.com and then bug Maureen, like shoot her some DMS, at Maureen M 83 on Instagram, leave her some of your prophetic, uh, or evangelistic questions. Um, mm-hmm. especially those of you that are women watching this, She's a great leader to learn from and, and men, obviously we can learn from you too, but I know a lot of women are looking for other women role models and you're a good one. So thanks for listening today and we will be back next week. God willing. And, uh, hopefully Linton can find the link. Um, sorry, inside joke. Um, Oh, I thought you were going to say, I was going to find Pilates because that's not going to happen. (laughs) We are going to get a video of Linton doing Pilates and we're going to stitch it. Uh, to this podcast at some point. So stay tuned. We will find it somewhere on the internet. Um, But until then, Google Linson Band uh, somewhere out there and watch his early days of ministry. 
Have a good day. God bless you all. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.